Hello world, welcome to a new show of Live with Carisha. I'm your host, Carisha the Diva, and today I'll be talking with Associate Attorney Noah Moore of Camry and Associates. That's right. That's thank you right. for coming on the show. You look very thank dapper this evening. Thank you, thank you. Thank How you. are you feeling? Well. Thank I'm you. Feeling well. thank All you. right, let's thank get you. right into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. For everyone watching at home, an attorney correctly speaking, quote me off or wrong, is a person appointed to act for another person in business or legal matters. Correct. So you took the bar in Georgia was a part of the Student Government Association. Describe to us a normal work week in your field. A normal work week uh, for me, um, I'm usually, I like to be the first one in my office. Um, the early bird gets to work. That's right, that's right, they do. <laughs> I am usually like to be the first one in my office. A usual work week for me is uh, first jumping into my case and seeing what, uh, what my caseload is. Honestly, uh, before I leave the office the, the previous day, mm -hmm. I like to at least uh, sketch out my next day to make sure that I'm on my, on my game. Um, so I'm jumping into my office, looking at my uh, reminders, looking at my tasks, uh, meeting with my paralegal and legal assistants to see what litigation cases are coming up, um, and okay. then jump into those first. Uh, then thereafter, I jump on my pre-suit cases. So um, primarily, I practice personal injury. Okay. Um, so that's usually my approach to the day dealing with that. Um, but okay. ev even if there are any other legal matters, whether it's criminal defense, real estate, usually refer those out, and sometimes I may get those throughout the day as well. Do you have a lot of paralegals that work under you? Um, I actually have only one paralegal now. Okay. Um, so one paralegal, one legal assistant, and I have three case managers. Busy man. Busy, busy. You <laughs> also attended the Indiana Institute of Technology. Yep. Did you always plan to become an attorney, or did you have a different career path in mind in the beginning? I always wanted to be an attorney. Oh, um, really? I did, I did. I can uh, recall being in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, mm -hmm. um, speaking with my mom. Early on, I knew I wanted to be an attorney. I uh, went to various Magnolia Bar Associations. Uh, that's a bar association in Jackson, Mississippi. And you set uh, out and did it. Set out and did it. And um, started with that vision early on in my life so yes tell us about your days as an intern because i know you put in a lot of a I lot did, of work I as did, an intern you did I the did, footwork I what did. was it like you got any stories i do i do um i have, do have a story um i would say my last uh, internship over my law school career was my most fulfilling i would honestly say too really i was working impact litigation for uh, the national center for youth law mm -hmm. um, i was dealing with children who had been affected by the school to prison pipeline so actually suing um, those uh, school districts who were uh, wrongly uh, impacting these particular children who were in the system, um, who were in school, mm -hmm. and, um, I'm sorry, and uh, were being uh, affected by the system, in turn being institutionalized and then that following them the rest of their career. So we tried to um, stick a knife into that. Really? And uh, with some impact litigation with um, a couple of lawsuits. In and, uh, Jackson, most, Mississippi? No, 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 no. This was actually in, um, well, I was centered in Oakland, California but the majority of the work was done in various states. So I had a case in Connecticut, um, a case in Texas, mm -hmm. um, and we did the work across the nation. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. How did you study for the bar exam? I know there's uh, a lot of lawyers or people planning to go in law who are going to watch this taping. What is. advice can you give them about studying for such a hard exam? Um, I would say um, stick true to your schedule. Um, I know for me, um, I had a schedule that I stuck very, 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 very close to. Mm -hmm. um, I graduated law school, and I knew for a fact that I was jumping into bar prep soon thereafter. Um, so what I did was I worked third shift, um, worked third shift. And overnight this, shift. Overnight shift. Oof. Worked overnight shift, and I would study during that time mm -hmm. and also work effectively. What kind of work uh, did you do while um, you were... I worked at a group home. I oh, worked with uh, children. Wonderful. Um, yeah, I worked with children. Children are your niche. That's my niche. That's my niche. Okay. Children of the future. Um, so I would work in that, in that setting, um, usually during the night shift, 
probably from 11.30 up until about 8 o'clock. Okay. Transition from there, get me a couple of hours of sleep, wake up, go straight to the library and study until it was time for me to go back to work. Oh, wow. So and really staying to that dedicated mindset really got me over the hump and be able to pass the Georgia Bar my first time. You passed on the first time? First time. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank That's you. amazing. Thank you, Chris. You were also an ambassador of the Black College Fund where you mm -hmm. train HBCU students to become ambassadors. Tell yes. us about your role in that organization. So, Very impressive. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I really do appreciate that, and I did not know you were going to ask about that. Oh, honey, Kadiva the, <laughs> does her research. <laughs> she does. So um, the Black College Fund is a um, uh, is an organization that's under a branch of the United Methodist Church. Um, we travel as ambassadors uh, to various conferences mm -hmm. uh, to spread the good news about uh, what the Black College Fund is doing around campuses, um, whether it's providing scholarships, whether it's um, investing in buildings at various institutions. And some of those institutions, just to name a few, uh, where I graduated from, the illustrious Russ College, which is my alma mater. Okay. Um, Clark Atlanta University is a, uh, is a Black College Fund um, university. Also Payne College in Augusta, Georgia. Um, just to name a few. Mm -hmm. So we'll travel to these different conferences all over the nation, um, really tell our true stories of how we came to these institutions and how we want the people within those conferences to give back. Impressive. I love your background. Um, everyone you. at home, you have a bachelor's in political science, member of the Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity. Alpha. You are also an honor society <laughs> member, amongst other accolades. Is being a person of color in the field of law challenging to this day? And why would you say it is? It is. Uh, well, I wouldn't say that it's challenging because um, I feel as though that um, our journey as, as people of color has, has equipped us for this moment, for moments like these. Um, the statistics shows us um, that there's a less or around or less than 5% of uh, attorneys who are black. Um, now, the rest of that percentage is uh, majority white. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, am I nervous about that or is it a bad? No, it's not. I actually pride myself in doing that. And I look back on the, our forefathers, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Thurgood Marshall, um, Charles, Hamilton, Charles Hamilton Houston, even our sis black sisters, uh, Constance Baker Motley. Um, people like people like that who really um, equipped us with the tools that were necessary for us to be in these particular uh, realms. Right. So um, I deserve to be here. Amen. I deserve to be here. You earned it too. <laughs> Tell you. me about the hardest or most challenging case you ever took on. Uh, the most hardest or challenging case that I've took on thus far. Yes. Um, I would say um, was a case dealing with. Um, it was a it was a low it was a high contested case as it relates to uh, property damage, which is what I usually deal with in personal injury. Is, okay. um, was it in Atlanta first? It was in Atlanta. Okay. It was in Atlanta. It was the in Atlanta. Of my cases in, are in Atlanta. Okay. Um, low property damage case, and insurance companies usually tend to poke holes in our case when they see low property damage. Mm -hmm. um, very difficult thing to overcome when we even from the pre-suit phase and from uh, the lit litigation phase, um, but uh, we were able to come up with a come up with a good outcome, and you really argue that this property damage is not correlative to injury and actually show um, some things that were able to um, get us over the hump. Right. So um, that was one of my uh, most recent cases, actually one of my most recent wins and uh, one of my most fulfilling and um, within my short career being two and a half years. So. Bravo! He's very determined and diligent. Have you ever had to turn down a case and why? I've had, I have had to turn down a case. Um, the law sometimes doesn't match with the facts. Um, the facts may seem very, very, very um, Heart-wrenching, mm -hmm. emotional gut-wrenching, um, but it could be one little nuance that doesn't um, get us over the hump as it relates to maybe liability, okay. maybe damages, uh, which uh, can tank a case. Um, usually see those in the most complex issues such as met mal mm -hmm. or um, uh, negligent issues or negligent uh, acts on commercial property 
But um, even in some of the uh, simple motor vehicle collisions, sometimes the facts don't match up with the law, vice versa. Right. So you've never taken on like a murder trial or I don't uh, primarily robbery, practice, manslaughter. I don't, I don't practice uh, criminal defense, okay. uh, but I know great criminal defense attorneys. And actually, uh, before I came into law school, I, uh, I externed for the federal defenders of Fort Wayne. So we represented um, people who had who were charged with federal crimes. Okay. Uh, and they were appointed a federal defender, so a federal public defender. Okay, so I you had your toes in that area for I had my toes bit. in that area, and I love criminal defense. I love the uh, the grit, the fight that it takes, and the zealousness and over-preparation that it takes, and I like to let that seep over into personal injury as well. Fabulous. Um, how do you feel about reality TV star Kim Kardashian? For those of y'all who don't know, Kim Kardashian has claimed that she is going into law. She wants to be a lawyer. She recently, um, with the help of other people, got Miss Alice Marie Johnson off of a life sentence yep. and got her free yep. after she was served so many years in jail. Yep, I believe got her pardon. Yeah. Yep, How do yep. you feel about Kim Kardashian becoming a lawyer? I believe it's uh, it's amazing for um, anyone to step into that realm, um, to go into the realm of law, to be an advocate for people. Um, I don't fault her at all for doing that. I think she'll be, she'll be, she'll do great as long as she has the great uh, preparation that she needs to uh, pass that California bar exam. Do you think she can pass the bar? I think she can. With the right preparation, the right schedule, she can. Shout out to Kim Kardashian. Good luck on the bar, darling. (laughs) Okay, I have a serious question. Give us insight on why you think, being a black man in law, Mm -hmm. could you give us some insight on why you think so many men of color are being arrested in record numbers, and how can we make change in that area? Well, honestly, um, I think uh, that uh, black men are being arrested at a record uh, record numbers because of the system that's set in place. Well, a, well, let me take that back. It's a various amount of factors. Um, black men are being arrested for a various amount of factors. But just to go deeper into the question, um, how we can make that change is to honestly um, educate. Educate, and it starts with the youth early on so that they know the things to do and not to do. Or um, being on the groundworks with uh, the people in these systems, where I'm in the system of law, um, and being able to effect change on policy level. Mm-hmm. Um, W.B. Dubois um, was very big on uh, getting into those realms, rubbing shoulders with those people to make sure that the change can be effective. Um, and I really uh, try and walk that path as well to make sure that, you know. Oh, you're uh, walking it. Exactly. I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Whether, whether it's uh, politics or being in focus groups, just to make sure that everyone is educated and they know their rights or uh, they know what's going on and actually being on the grounds working grassroots. And it's funny that you said about educate. Um, for those of you at home, crazy statistics. According to the Bureau of, St- of Statistics, 8.5 million white women are currently in educational programs or seeking education, while only 1.8 million black men are in school. So wow. you're right. We, we have to work on education with our black men of getting them into school and getting out of the streets. Do you feel there is a plot to incarcerate, purposefully incriminate men of color, over other races, and what advice can you give to any men who are watching this particular show? Um, do I believe there's a plot? Um, I believe um, if you all haven't read the um, the new Jim Crow, The Age of Colorblindness uh, by uh, Michelle Alexander, a very telling book that goes into uh, this um, this calculated systemic war on drugs that has affected um, a lot of our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, do I believe there's a plot? There has been a plot in place, yes. Um, that plot is well documented within that book, um, which I do. What's advise, the name of the book? One more time for everyone uh, the watching. New Jim Crow, the, the, age of, Crow. the New Jim Crow uh, in the Age of Colorblindness by Michelle Alexander. I'll make sure I read that as um, well. And it talks about uh, within the Reagan administration, the war on drugs, um, how uh, within that realm, um, it's about it to the crack cocaine epidemic and incarcerating um, our black men um, at high rates and men of color, period, men, mm-hmm. minority men. 
Um, that book is very telling. So do I believe that there was a plot or it's a plot? Yes. Uh, but we have to think strategically beyond the plot and educate ourselves and equip ourselves with the knowledge to move us forward. And I believe one of those books is uh, very telling as it relates to the plot. Um, so yes, um, do I believe there's a plot? I want to say again, there was a plot and I believe there still is a plot. Um, based upon my reading of the literature, mm -hmm. um, it's a very well thought out plot uh, with a lot of moving pieces. But uh, we have to educate ourselves. Amen. And speaking of black men, we lost a very influential person in the black community just a few days. Um, Kobe Bryant, terrible situation with a helicopter crash and nine other passengers who all lost their lives, Correct. including his daughter, the Ottobelli family, um, one and another classmate that she played with on the team. How do you feel about the situation? Situation is, is very, 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 very sad, Caruso. Um I remember growing up, I can vividly remember myself in the first home that I remember living in and seeing Kobe Bryant play Allen Iverson. Um, I remember. I'm from Philadelphia. That exactly. was a huge deal. Huge deal. Um, I can vividly remember that and me being uh, me being a young man now um, and seeing the impact that he's had not only on this nation but this world. Uh, very, very, very depressing story. And I um, also want to give a condolences to his family and all of us that were affected. Um, but we have to continue with the Mamba mentality. Um, Amen. And continue to move it forward. And not only just speak it, but live it. So. Amen. Why should people contact you for legal services in a time of need? What makes you the best option? Well, what makes me the best option is that um, I'm, for, I'm, I'm there for um, all people. Um, I like to make sure that um, the clients are zealously represented. I go out to meet all my clients uh, who are referred to me directly. Mm -hmm. um, I go out to where they are. Uh, I interview the scene, uh, take pictures, uh, interview them. I try to make sure that everything... Uh, you're very hands-on. Very hands-on. I like to make sure that... So you're uh, not sending the paralegals. You're, you're going not, out for yourself. Going out for myself. Okay. Because I'm the attorney. I'll be the one that's fighting the case. Okay. Um, and I trust uh, that I can do what needs to be done because uh, with me doing able, being able to do that, I want to make sure that the clients understand that, hey, I'm on your side. I want to make sure that you come out this come out of this on the good end. Right. Um, come back to the place that you were beforehand. So um, I'm the best option because I give it all I've got. And that's all, all you I've can got. do. That's all I can do. That's Describe yourself in one word. Um, Overprepared. Overprepared. Fabulous. That's all we have today for today. Thank you so much to Thank attorney you. Noah Moore for coming on the Live with Carisha show. You can follow me on Instagram at Noah Moore Esquire. Uh, that's Noah, N-O-A-H, Moore, M-O-O-R-E, underscore, E-S-Q. Um, also, um, click a like on the Cambrian Associates uh, page, Facebook page as well. That's Cambry, C-A-M-B-R-E, and Associates. And uh, we look forward to uh, representing you soon. Absolutely. That's it for today. I'm Karisha Diva signing off for another episode of Live with Karisha. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Peace. Peace.